Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing His ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you. We are uh, in a dialogue on the book of Acts. Uh, That's something we started uh, last year, going through piece by piece. So you might want to grab a Bible. There's some at the end of the rows, or perhaps you have one on your phone. That's allowed, I guess. Um, But yeah, we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. And we're picking up with a peculiar story. Verse 12 through 16. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's porch. No one else dread joined them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, People brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I believe in healing because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I believe in the power of God's Spirit in you because I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The New Testament as it kicks off with the Gospels and then in Acts, we start to see great signs and wonders taking place. A new thing starts to happen. Power, as it's described in the early chapters of Acts, is poured out on God's people. I wonder, is that how we still describe God's people in church today. Does that same power come to us as a marker of the acts and movement of God? As you think about your relationship with God, your relationship with the Spirit in community with others or not, Do you feel, do you sense the power of God at work? I think these are the kind of questions and thoughts that 
maybe intuitively come to mind when we get to a text like this. Appropriately so. The question is, for me, when I read this text, is where does the power belong? What does that power look like? When I was young, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. Has anybody heard of Iowa? It's a state in our country. It's not called Ohio or Idaho. It's called Iowa. I was born in Des Moines, Iowa, and my dad was a, well, let's just say he was a neat freak, like the best kind of neat freak. He would come home and walk the whole house We'd all be kind of standing there hoping things were in order as he wanted it to be. And yeah, he kind of ruled the house that way. And it was such a thing that when I was young that even during the days we would be home, we had a porch out front and we learned over time to take the shoes off and leave them at the porch. They had a little duplex and there was a porch. We don't really have porches here as much. We had a, we had a, an, a kind of above-ground porch in front of our home, and that's where you left the shoes, was out there, because, you know, you don't want to muddy up the floors in the house. And what do you need shoes in the house for anyways, right? The shoes are for outside. And I think of the story in my own life. I think that came to me as I thought of this passage. Is it possible that the gifts of the Spirit belong on the porch? Now, some of you might be thinking already, well, hold on. I mean, we're at church right now. I want, and the, the ministries of the church and the gifts of the Spirit, they, they certainly belong here. And yeah, they do. And yet, in this text, what we see is that it's it's not inside, but it's outside of the temple that this great work, signs and wonder, this new thing is taking place. And I think the gifts of the Spirit is a little like that. They, they're like shoes. They, they belong outside. You take it with you where you go. You don't come here hoping to find it. You take it with you out there. That's what we read here. And you have to imagine the setting because up until this point, the temple was the place. It is where the religious activities were carried out. It's where the ministers dealt with the ordinances and the law. But something new is taking place. A movement of God is moving beyond the interior walls of the temple and into the porch and the streets. And so as the text tells us, there was some alarm. People were not sure if they should join or not. They were afraid to connect to this thing. 
And, and, and like, just again, picture it. Like, imagine if, you know, you could just see the religious leaders inside carrying out, but all the while, the things that they're supposed to be doing in the temple are, are taking place by these other figures right outside on Solomon's porch, which, by the way, is outside of the temple in Jerusalem. And all these people are showing up. Well, you're supposed to go to the temple. But here they are showing up. They're, they're looking even for the shadow of Peter. A new thing is happening. Makes me wonder if our metric really should be not about what happens here on Sunday, but what does God do with you on, on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And I struggle with this because I know in the psyche of followers of Jesus is we, we kind of tend to chase healing around. We, we look for where can we find it. We go to churches or we read books or we listen to podcasts or we go to conferences and, and we're out there and we're, we're looking for this work of God to take place. We're chasing it. We're pursuing it. But that's not what this text informs of us to do. We are to be the opposite of that, the inverse of that. It's not that we are like the ones chasing the apostles. We are to be like these disciples who are administering the healing and the exorcisms and the whatever. It's the inverse. But I'm not sure that we as followers of Jesus have picked that up along the way. We've kind of thought, no, it's just for the spiritual elites. The prophets, apostles, teachers, shepherds, you know, the ones with all the power. But a new thing's happening. God's spirit and power is no longer confined to this holy of holies. It's an outpouring into the people. There needs to be an erosion in the distinction between religious leaders and the followers of Jesus. Even today, we have religious figures that get too much attention, too much hype, too much fascination. We ought to be fascinated by the very normal, regular, and mundane Holy Spirit-empowered people in the room because God is, not, is, is accessible not simply through trained authorities or by way of religious buildings, 
but in God's people wherever they are found. And uh, here's the good news. I have found some right here in front of me right now. In a normative marker of normal people following Jesus is to be the working power of the Holy Spirit. It is not a fringe marker. It is normative in the life of the disciples of Jesus. Perhaps the reason that we haven't felt like it's normative is because we haven't thought that it was supposed to be. Or again, we fall into the trappings of, well, it's just for the pastor or somebody like that. This is also one of the challenges of the evangelical church is that we've emphasized the preaching ministry, and appropriately so. But the healing ministry is just as much a part of the work of the church. Imagine for a minute if we were as active, you, the normal followers of Jesus, Holy Spirit-empowered followers of Jesus, imagine if it was as normative for you to visit hospitals as it was for you to visit church on Sunday. Seriously, if every week of your life you decided that I am going to go place myself at the boundary line of the sick and the boundary line of those who are empowered by the Spirit, and I'm going to help those worlds intersect through prayer and the laying on of hands. And it's not up to me to heal somebody or fix somebody. It's up to me to get on the porch the place where the common folk are. But that's not the normative practice. But it ought to be. Imagine if we were holding our friends' marriages accountable in the same way that we hold our own. I, I try to go on a date at least once a month. It's actually in my calendar for every Friday night. No. I, I, I miss three of the four. But my goal is to get to a normal practice of dating my wife because part of the boundary line of our relationship is the pursuit of one another. It's a normal component. Now imagine if, if I were to have the same pursuit and care for the handful of friends that God regularly puts in my life and I would say, it's 
I, I really matters to me that you and your spouse are well, that you are married for better or worse. Well, that, that's none of your business, Gavin. Well, no. In the same way that I would care for the sick, I want to care for people's marriages. Pick, pick anything that people are really in. For some, passing the peace on Sunday is like climbing a mountain. It's very hard for you to do that. How much harder will it be for you to go and engage with those and to pass the peace of Christ that comes by way of God's power to those that don't know Him? I'm just giving examples. How about the imprisoned? How about the drunkards at the bar right around the corner from your house? How about your coworker? Whoever. What are you doing as the church that puts you in immediate touch with those that are not here right now? We, we are to live in immediate proximity. to those that don't know Christ. Because God's power is doing something new. So if we are only coming here to experience the power of God, perhaps something's off. It strikes me that God would be perhaps more apt to work in a demonstration of his power in spaces that are new. Because God's kingdom is a new creation unfolding. And is there a way that when we put ourselves in immediate touch with those outside of the church that we also put ourselves in immediate touch with God? Is there a way that we learn to see the image of God in everyone, not just in fellow Christians or, sadly, Christian celebrities? Why do we keep going to those spaces seeking the power of God? The church is to be marked by a rich continuity with the power and presence of God wherever the church goes, wherever. I would even go as far to say so much so that when we aren't here, people would be slightly alarmed, perplexed, confused maybe even. That's what this text just shared with us, by the way. They weren't sure if they could even 
approach. Others were doing whatever they could. But we never take it to the porch. But this is not a story of chasing God's power. It's about establishing the kingdom of God in the midst of a dying world. T.D. Chardin says, We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. But I think that calls to our awareness is the overlap of the present age and the one that is being ushered in. That as followers of Jesus, as conduits of God's power in immediate connection with the outside world and the Spirit of God, we live at the intersection of what God is creating and making everlasting and what is dying and is only temporal. We live in that space. And so our eyes and our thinking and our way of speaking and ushering and encouraging and pointing, all of it is oriented towards the new and everlasting truth. So as you sit with somebody who's convinced that it's over, who thinks the time has come, we as spirit-empowered followers of Jesus say, actually, it's not. And maybe there's a way that in this dying, there's resurrection for you. Maybe this is the moment where you can finally let go of the thing that's been keeping you from living. You're not losing something. You're gaining it. And we pay so we, we pay attention to the ache for God, the, the, the new creation. Because everywhere, because we're at the intersection, everywhere we're at, we have learned to notice what is dying and notice what can be. And we surrender ourselves to the emerging yet present spirit. That's the decisive act we make at every intersection. To surrender ourselves to the emerging awareness of God's Spirit. The Spirit that's already there, already working. But we have to allow the one worldview to pass so that the new worldview can emerge. Those that have eyes to see, let them see.
And that's not just through healing the sick and casting out demons, by the way. But it is absolutely that also. Normatively. We are the brokers of a different future. Oracles of a different story. Translators amongst a tower of Babel. Wizards of awe and wonder. We are patience in a culture of hurry. We are non-anxious in the midst of hysteria. We are the wise amongst the woke and the humble amongst the proud. You are the living amongst the dead. All because the power of God is normative and at work in you. And yes, we are the healers and exorcists in our society also. At every frickin' intersection of your life is an opportunity for a death and a resurrection. So go. Do it. Say yes to the active work of God in you. Or perhaps something in you still needs to die itself so that the new thing might emerge. If you are sick or tormented today in any way, and guys, the sick and tormented are all around us now, right here, and out there. I don't know, disease, the common cold, torment, you feel haunted, held back, possessed. I don't if If that's you, I invite you to join me in the prayer corner as we go back into communion and worship for the laying of the hands, the anointing of the oil, the healing of the body, the resurrection of the dead, the casting out of spirits. That's the reality of the kingdom of God. And it's the world, the new world, that God is inviting us to, to increasingly live into. Jesus, help us to be bold. Help us to live confidently on the solid ground that you have established. Comfort us in our insecurities. Come beside us in our fears. Help us by the power of your spirit to experience the freedom and life that you offer. In Jesus' name, amen.